Hi everyone, welcome back to Effortless Conversations, where we sit down with individual members of Princeton Mortgage and learn about their background, who they are, and what they do to contribute here at Princeton Mortgage. Uh, this week we have Shelly Horton, uh, formerly known as Shelly Smith. She just recently got married, and we'll touch on that in the episode. But uh, hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did, and we'll check back in next week. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Effortless Conversations. This week we have Shelly Smith, now Shelly Horton, right? Shelly Horton. All right, exciting. Shelly Smith. Okay. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, Shelly. What, what brought you to Princeton? So I moved to Charleston about two and a half, three years ago. My husband got a job promotion through his company. So we moved from Atlanta to here. And I worked at Robert Half, which is a national recruiting firm for about five years. Kind of wanted to get out of the agency recruiting space and into more of like an in-house role. Um, saw the job, had lunch with Mark. We live in the same neighborhood. So ironically, that was like how we hit it off. And then I ended up working here for a year and a half. So far. Seems like it was meant to be. Right, it was fate. <laughs> so you, uh, so you had a lot of experience with recruiting before you came to Princeton. Correct. Yeah. So I worked on um, Robert Half. It's like an accounting and finance firm. It started off as accounting and finance, and it slowly evolved. Now they do like healthcare operations. They do all sorts of stuff. But I was mainly focused in accounting and finance. So the mortgage industry was like brand new to me. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I know how that is. I've uh, I've come into the mortgage industry with no experience before, so it's been a bit of a learning curve for myself as well. Yes. Yes. It's like. What is a mortgage? <laughs> I know, right? So uh, I, I didn't do a very good job of introducing you. Uh, Shelly is one of our recruiters here at Princeton. Mm -hmm. So she goes after some of the, she's a, we'll, we'll say you're a headhunter, right? <laughs> <laughs> a I, I like, don't like that word. Probably. You don't like headhunter. But we can call it headhunter. I recruit, um, I prefer business um, business management or okay. like, um, business operations. Or yeah, now my, I think my title is like national business strategic manager or something like that. But yes, I recruit mortgage loan officers, whether you're a branch manager or whether they be just a regular mortgage loan officer or even someone that's in consumer direct. I kind of hit it from all angles um, and I'm helping grow the sales team here. That's awesome. So walk me a little bit. Uh, I know we're deviating a little bit from the questions list I gave you here, but like I said, I just I just like to talk. I know. Um, well, tell me a little bit about your process when uh, when you find like a, somebody somebody that you're really interested in, and you think would be a great fit at Princeton. What's kind of your process there? So I usually start off by trying to figure out their pain points. Like, you know, phone calls are kind of tough to really gauge. Like, hey, are you a good culture fit? It's more like, hey, tell me about you. Tell me about your pain points. And then I tried to figure out like how can Princeton help? Like they always say like take the tools out of your toolbox once you learn, you know, what the problem is. So I identify what their problems are. I tell them how Princeton is either better or how we can help them with that problem. And then if they're still interested after that, then I proceed to set them up with our VP of talent acquisition, Jeff Waldrop. Um, he worked with Guaranteed Rate for 15 years, so he usually can even further dive into what their problem, like how we can solve their problems. Um, and then we kind of take them through the, the pipeline of who to meet, you know, if their problem is processing, they meet with processors, or if their problem is marketing, they meet with our marketing team. Um, and then, you know, once they kind of go through that cycle, then we extend them an offer and they come on board. That's interesting. So you, uh, you kind of tailor your, your process to each individual recruit. Yes, no process is the same, that, mm -hmm. which is something that we've learned because we were trying to like nail down a process, kind of like memorialize one, but every time we talk to a candidate, it's just something different. Like we had a candidate that wanted to talk to the CEO. He only wanted to talk to the CEO. Interesting. So we set him up with Rich. He fell in love with Rich, and he actually wants to come out to Charleston and meet with someone from Charleston, or either the Charleston team or mainly Rich, 
So we're trying to get that set up and we're hoping that he's going to come on in September. That's awesome. And now we have this awesome new office here in downtown Charleston on King Street. So it's a it's a probably a great place to bring in recruits, huh? HQ. Yep. So we have brought in a couple new recruits here. We actually um we actually try to tailor that to them as well. Like for example, we had a guy that really liked to um, go on boats, so we tried to like you know set up a boat trip for him. Uh, we also had a guy he like really liked to use a foodie, so we try to set up like restaurant trips for them. So we try to like wine and dine them, take them to our office, have some formal meetings with them. They can meet Mark, they can meet Dave, they can meet either Kevin or Jeff. Um, myself, and then we just try to make it like a fun trip for them so they can get to know us personally. That's awesome. I mean, you know, if, if I'm going to be courted by a company and I, I'm flying somewhere, I mean, I hope that they would take me to do some fun stuff like a boat trip or some, yeah. some great restaurants. That sounds like a great time. And people always say, like, Charleston's on my list of places to visit. So of it's course. not hard to, like, get them to come out here. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, you, you speak about finding problems with like you ask them what their problems are what's kind of a common problem that you come across with with a lot of your recruits do you is there a like a common thread or I think like it, it kind of depends on like the mortgage cycle so like for example during the refi boom everyone's problem was ops can't keep up with everything like my mm -hmm. operations can't keep up my turn times are so long um, that was like the biggest pain point like they can't get their loans closed which is like their livelihood um, right now I'm finding that a lot of people like their pain point is like retaining top talent like for example I spoke to a gentleman today his company had, he had an assistant she was awesome she was super talented he loved her but she got a job offer somewhere else for like a couple bucks more and the company was like we're not gonna give her a couple bucks more just let her go she's replaceable and the loan officer was like what do you mean like she's great you're not gonna give her like five bucks an hour more and you're gonna lose her and train someone else so I think it's interesting that companies aren't necessarily seeing the value in their employees just kind of letting them go which is because the market's hot so the cycle right. right now is like the recruiting field is hot so I think it definitely differs from what time of the year you're in wow that's super interesting they wouldn't even up that pay for the the assistant a little bit that's kind of wild it was and he said it happened for one of their like top loan officers too she she left she got a huge sign-on bonus she even asked them to counter and they were like no we can replace you interesting it is interesting. you don't really feel that around here at Princeton I feel like they really value each individual employee and what everyone brings to the table yes and I think that not only do they value you but they value your thoughts on Princeton as well kind of like the um, the offer Right. Like if you aren't happy here, we'll give you $5,000 to, you know, maintain a good relationship and if you're not happy, you can go and if you are, then you can stay. Yeah, the offer is uh it's a really cool tool that I I haven't really covered much in this podcast, but it is uh it's it's very interesting. Do you want to kind of explain it a little bit? It's since this is something you do on a regular basis? Yes, yes. So the offer here at Princeton Mortgage is something that's super interesting. So after 90 days, our CEO will send you an email saying, "Hey, it's been 90 days. What are your thoughts? Are you happy? Are you not happy? Are you challenged? Are you basically are you fully invested in this career? And the candidates have the opportunity to say yes and kind of explain, like usually candidates explain, like, you know, this is great, I love it. Or if they don't, they have the opportunity to take five thousand dollars and just kind of continue with their job search, almost like a trial it's kind of like a trial period, I guess, but it's not really a trial period. Um, but we do it because we only really want to invest time and energy into people who are invested in us. We want to, you know, work with people who are motivated and invest or create an environment where people can be motivated and thrive. And if you're not fully invested and there's that one personality or that one toxic candidate, it can kind of bring down the whole vibe. So I think it's actually been a really good asset to creating the culture that we have here. Yeah, it does a really great job of kind of like weeding out. Um, I, I know that uh, Princeton speaks about having A players in every seat. So, I mean, it does a good job of kind of weeding out those who aren't going to bring their A game every day. Yes, it almost like, 
not scares them, but it's intimidating. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, wow, like, they're serious. Well, it's a big decision. You're saying, you know, I could take this $5,000, which could solve some problems that I'm having right now, or I can, you know, keep working hard and, you know, exponentially grow that. Yes. You know? I think it's, I agree with that, yes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So, um, so with your process at Princeton, and everybody's process at any, at any job, um, it's easy to get kind of like burned out. You kind of do the same thing over and over again, and you know, what's kind of your process to kind of like? Do you have a, a process outside of work that you kind of like stick to? Do you have a personal mantra that you kind of tell yourself? I know when I talk, talk to Olivia, she has a, a song that she would listen to on the way to work, kind of pump herself up. And uh, I'm just curious, do you have a process outside of work to kind of get you back to even when you know when it's a stressful week? Yes. No. So that's good. So my, I will start off with just saying like what. Like you mentioned, like mundane, like my job, it, it doesn't require a lot of repetitive work. Like I have to talk on the phone for 90 minutes, I have to make 40 dials, and I have to schedule one interview a day. Wow. So in order to kind of maintain that energy, I do, I don't have a specific song, but it's hardcore EDM and rap music, also known as trap music. Okay. And I have to listen to that in the car ride to work to get my like energy levels up. Um, and that really helps. And if I have like a lull in the day, like, you know, the three o'clock lull where you're like, oh, I can use a snack. I usually just put on some of that trap music and it gets me right back in. Nice. I do that too. That definitely gets you, gets your blood pumping. Gets the energy. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Well, uh, let me ask you a little bit more about you personally. What, uh, this is a fun icebreaker question that I like to ask people, but what's your favorite movie and why? Okay, so this is a good one, okay. and I, I don't know if people can relate to it, but my favorite movie is Four Christmases with Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. I love Four Christmases. Have you seen, you seen that it? That movie is so funny. So I love it. So the people really do a good job of glamorizing Christmas, mm -hmm. like the happy little family with the fam like mom and dad are still together, family's all there, but Four Christmases is very relatable because like my parents aren't together. It's more like of a normal family situation, uh -huh. but it's also still super funny. Who doesn't love Vince Vaughn, right? Oh my gosh. I, I Every time that movie's on TV, I go back and watch it. Oh, I know. It's always on TV no matter what season I love it <laughs> for sure well um well let me ask you another personal question Shelly where do you see yourself in five years Will you, do you see yourself still at Princeton or do you see yourself moving along doing your own kind of thing or what do you think so I definitely still see myself here at Princeton what's cool about Princeton is you know we've been around for 35 years but we recently did that reboot you know three years ago right so we're kind of like a startup and I was actually one of the first recruiters here, which is awesome to say. Um, we since then have grown to four recruiters. We have an operations team where two or three recruiters kind of work on the ops roles. Mm -hmm. And then we have about, we have two other recruiters where we only work solely on sales. Um, we have been told that they are looking to grow the sales team. So I'm hoping that further down the road, I can help you know, recruit these individuals, develop these individuals, kind of have a team of my own where I can, you know, not only tell them you know how I get through the day or train them or just help them with strategies but also like help them grow and see them like go through the obstacles and stuff like that I just would like to be a leader of yeah the sort and I could see that in you I could definitely see you leading recruiting is this um, is so you speak of ops recruiting and sales recruiting is are they two separate entities or do you guys kind of work together or two separate entities so when I started off I we is during the um, refi boom and the biggest need then was ops so that's where I started off, and ops recruiting came very naturally to me, kind of like what I was doing at Robert Half. It was right. just like, you know, you go on Indeed, look at a resume, mm -hmm. and you're interested. Um, so we did the ops recruiting then where we were recruiting like processors, underwriters, um, LOAs, even like um, like secondary managers like Mike Amico. We, we recruited a lot of like senior level people too. Um, so then we kind of evolved into two separate entities. So. The ops recruiters are over here. I believe they report to Aaron, and then the sales recruiters we report to both Kevin and Jeff. Okay, cool. So you guys, I mean, and, and your objectives are pretty. I mean, definitely pretty separate because one people. I mean, ops is going after people that will, you know, grow Prince and Mortgage on 
outside of sales and self-explanatory. Yeah, I will say they have like a little bit of a relationship though because you can't tip the seesaw too much. Like too many sales right. people will like mean that the ops team is like basically like overflow, like underwriters are going to need to do more underwrites, processors are going to need to do more processing. So you need to make sure that you're on the same page with how many, like, okay, we just onboarded like a brand new branch. Okay, do we need more underwriters? Yes. So we do communicate in a sense, but it's not on the same roles at all. Okay, cool. Um, and so you recently got married. Yes. So tell me a little bit about, uh, tell me a little bit about your honeymoon. Where'd you go? So my honeymoon, we went to St. Martin. Mm -hmm. uh, we got married March 27th, uh, 2021. Got married here in Charleston on Johns Island. And um, we waited um, a couple weeks before we went on our honeymoon, but we went to St. Martin. Um, you have like St. Martin is half French and half Dutch. We did four days on the French side and then four days on the Dutch side. So oh, it was cool. like a beautiful trip. I've never been to Europe. so like meeting French people, seeing kind of like the European way, like we had European outlets, I didn't even know there was a thing. <laughs> and um, so it was just like kind of like a cool little culture shock for me to kind of go over there and see what it was like. And then the Dutch side is a bit, just a bit more commercial. Like okay. they have like Hyatt's and Zonesta, so it's kind of felt like you're back in America. But it was still beautiful, beautiful okay. weather. So did you like the French side or the Dutch side better? I like the French side better. Okay, because it was a little more boutique almost. Exactly. Like we stayed in an Airbnb. The Airbnb managers were French and they were right above us. They helped us out with everything. Um, the food was obviously French. The wine was French. So that was like a cool little thing to experience. Um, and just like you said, it was less commercial, more boutique. And you got that feeling like, like we brought baguette, baguettes and cheese on the beach every day. Like you can't do that That's <laughs> in awesome. America. Yeah, really. That sounds like a great time. I'm very jealous. Fun. I need to go on a trip soon. I, I It's been so long since I've done anything like that. I'm going to plan your trip, remember? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Shelly's going to plan my trip for me. I am going to plan your trip. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, your time in Atlanta versus Charleston. Do you think that you, I mean, do you like Charleston more than you liked Atlanta? I mean, you plan on staying here? and? Yeah. So uh, it's like double-edged sword, as they say. So I grew up on Cape Cod, so I love the coast, I love the beach. Like, I was so happy when I heard we were moving back to the beach. It was like unbelievable. Cause Atlanta, you know, you're landlocked. There's nothing really there unless you go to like a lake or something. Um, so I love Charleston, like the atmosphere, the city, the history, the, the food culture. I just love it in general for that sense. Um, but all of our friends are in Atlanta. So, you know, sometimes I miss them. Like if it's a Friday night, you're like, oh, there's nothing to do. And you know, you see them on like Instagram at a brewery, you get FOMO. Uh, so that's kind of like the double-edged part, but I would much rather be here than Atlanta. Yeah, Charleston's a great place for food. If you're a foodie, <laughs> this yeah. is where you should be. Yes. I, um, I, I lived in Atlanta for a year, and, uh, and I was ready to get out of there. Mm -hmm. But I definitely have a lot of friends down there, and I, I do miss it. There's a lot of things about Atlanta that I do miss, but I love Charleston. I love mm -hmm. being here. Exactly. And uh, I'm so glad that, because uh, I, you know, Princeton, the, the position that they were looking for that I that I took was, uh, it could be remote, could be anywhere. So I was very fortunate to find uh, find that and be here in the same city and be able to come down here and work at this beautiful office and uh, really have enjoyed my time here. Um, so what's your, uh, what's, what's one of your loftiest goals that you've set for yourself here at Princeton? So I remember, I'm still kind of new to the um, sales recruiting realm. Like I haven't done it for a full on year yet because I started off in the op side to, to kind of learn the industry, learn the ins and outs of the different roles. And then um, I believe it was like December when I was full blown um, MLO recruiting. So my goal was to recruit 60 million in production. Doesn't matter like how many loan officers, who they are. It's just um, 60 million has to be within a 90 day span. So I guess a quarter, 60 million in one quarter. 
Um, so it's been 30 days, and right now I'm at 44 million. Wow. I know. So I'm really excited about that. I just need to get like however many more to get to that 60, mm -hmm. and then that'll be the goal per se. We do have a thing here at Princeton where you set higher goals, and if you get 70% of it, you're good. My original goal was 90 million, but I think it scared me because I was like just so stressed out about it. So me and my manager were like, let's just do 60, it sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I, once we set that 60 number and I just kind of put it in my brain, I what got there, I got one, I got two, I got three, and now I'm just like, okay, like 90's not that bad. I don't know why I couldn't keep it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And like, so compared to when you first started at Princeton and you set, and you set your original goals, like, would you have ever imagined yourself of almost hitting 60? No, because I, I was always like, I was under the impression like, oh, if I get 70%, I'll still be fine. If I get 70%, like no, nothing bad will happen. But then they changed it. They were like, you can't get 70%. Now you have to get the 60. And I was like, oh, okay. So then when I started to, they started to trickle in, like, you know, you gain momentum with recruiting, you get more confident with recruiting. And I think once I kind of got over that hurdle and, you know, my relationship building skills, I think have improved a lot. It just kind of started to become easier and easier. And looking at that 60 didn't get so scary after a couple of days. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a new experience for me to set um, professional goals. I was, you know, I, I worked in the film industry before this where everything was just chaos all the time. And so it wasn't like, you know, you wouldn't sit down and, and a show would last three months and then you'd be done and on to another show. So this is interesting for me to set long-term goals and they, it comes with growing pains. Yes. And so it's something that you set and, uh, and you try to reach your first goals and you probably won't hit your first goals. And then you get better at setting your goals and it's all, I mean, it, it's a struggle, but it all makes you grow personally. Correct. And so, um, I'm curious, like, do you have a story where you were really going after your, one of your goals for like a quarter and, uh, and you didn't know if you were going to make it and you really had to kind of push through? Is there anything like that where you can think of like you were really up against it and you kind of overcame it by, you know, working through it mentally? And I think this is the one because so we had conversations about like promotion opportunities, growth opportunities, and I was under the impression like, oh, I've been here for like a year, I deserve this, and then my managers were like, let's put a goal in place, and if you hit this goal, we can talk further about promotional and, you know, growing opportunities, like up the ladder and stuff like that, and I was like, so I didn't like ever really have the pressure of like, oh, like, I get a reward, I have a challenge, and like, there is going to be like huge success at the end. So they put that 60 in place and they're like, once you hit this, you know, they have to start within 90 days of each other. It can be like, it can't be 59, it has to be 60 and then we can have that conversation. And you know, it doesn't have to be even the next quarter, just the next day, like get a promotion, you can grow the ladder. So I, I've been like thinking about that, that's been in my brain. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why I think the momentum happened so quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's something that you, you know, I've talked a lot about on this on this show about um, having to rewire your brain, like when you're up against it and you're really like, it's so easy to think, oh man, I'm not gonna hit this, or oh, there's, you know, it's impossible for me to hit this, but so much of it comes from being able to kind of rewire your thinking and like say, well, I am gonna do this, and if I don't hit it, I'm gonna try my hardest. And uh, do you find yourself having to kind of like, on a day-to-day -day basis kind of reset and say, all right, look, this is hard, but I'm doing this. Like, this is this is gonna happen. Yes, I will say, so like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm like in it to win it. I'm like mm -hmm. ready to go, ready to rock. Like, you know, you have your 
big push of the week. Thursday rolls around, I'm like, like this is tough, like this is hard, like is this my jaw? Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes like the mundaneness can really get to you. But then I kind of I play my music. I think about my cha- uh, I think about my end goal too. Like mm-hmm. okay, like challenge, like pain plus. What does Rich always say? Pain oh. plus. I you know I'm putting me on the spot. I can't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> pain and uh, equals reward. Perseverance. Is it perseverance? We'll we'll look it up. It's it's that's the general idea. Yeah yeah. Pain, pain staying after it. Yeah yeah. Kicking ass. Equals reward. <laughs> yeah, right. Kicking ass. That's what he always says. Yeah. And I, I like kind of think of. I know like. His little like one-liners are so cheesy, but I'm like, it's true though. Like, yeah. It really like the, I think that without the challenges, the reward wouldn't be as good. True. Yeah, I find that um, a lot of the the little mantras, like the the one the one sentence, you know, phrases that you repeat to yourself, they really can like help you kind of move through some of those difficult times. But they also have the opportunity to kind of hold you back because you kind of rely too much, you say like, or trust the process, and then you kind of lean on the process. You think, you know, I can sit back, I can kind of let the process take itself, but then it goes to this, uh, I'm reading a book right now called Creativity Inc. that um, speaks about the the suitcase problem, where a lot of people can see, you know, they see a mantra, and uh, they rely so heavily on it that it's almost like a suitcase that's sitting there with the handle, it's, uh, the handle's holding on by a few threads, and it's easy enough to pick it up and walk away with the handle and leave the suitcase. And you know, because there's so much experience that go, that's in the suitcase, but then you can just latch onto the handle. You know, it's that mantra, and walk away with that mantra. But you're not taking all the experience and the learning along with it. I think it's a great metaphor, and and I have to remember that when I'm trying to, you know, I repeat these mantras to myself, and then I say, well, actually, I have to I have to back that up with with my actions, and um, I find that to be quite interesting. I like Mark's mantra of like manifestation, mm-hmm. where you think of like a tangible goal or even like a financial goal. Like for example, like I recruited Vishal Vagani mm-hmm. and when I remember I watched Mark interview him and he was like, what's your number one goal? And Vishal was like, I'm a car guy. I want a big red Ferrari, brand spanking new. I want it parked in my garage. And Mark was like, that's my goal. I'm gonna help you get to that red Ferrari. <laughs> so Vishal thinks about the red Ferrari every morning and I'm sure that's what motivates him to get to where he needs to be to in order to like obtain that. So I just think having that visual also helps instead of saying it just like visualizing it like okay like you know i want a giant house on iop with a pool in the backyard or on the beach like just visualizing that success and hopefully one day it'll help you go over those humps have you ever built like a vision board like that did you ever do that i should (laughs) i know i've never done one either but i i always find it interesting when you see someone's vision board and it's like you know a ferrari and then a house and then like these clothes with this closet i mean it's it, it, everyone's vision is so different, but it really does. I mean, if you can look at it every day, it, you know, it really can help you. Like, all right, I'm I'm bearing down and I'm getting there. I'm I'm gonna do this. Exactly. Like, this house isn't gonna buy itself. This Ferrari isn't gonna buy itself. I have to do it on my own. Right. And it's gonna feel good only if I obtain it that way. For sure, I totally get that. Um, what's your favorite thing about working at Princeton Mortgage? I honestly would say recently, this is a mm-hmm. recent favorite thing, okay. is the challenge. Mm-hmm. Like recently we've had, so the recruiting, um, sales recruiting has been a new focus here at Princeton. We kind of went through the um, the challenges of the refi boom where we had to bring all the new ops professionals on board just to keep up with the volume. But now that we've stabilized the volume and stabilized the talent, we have now switched our focus to sales recruiting because our goal of um, 28 million, 28,000, 50,000? 50,000 50, more. 50,000 Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we edit that. Hold on. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it. 
50,000 loans by 2028 right. in order to get there. We need to make sure that we um, recruit a certain amount of sales professionals to make sure that the volume stays up. So sales recruiting is now the focus. It's Rich's focus, it's Mark's focus, everyone in leadership, that's our focus. So we've been setting goals. Like first the goal post was here and the team did such a good job that we hit that goal. Now we move the goal post here. And at first we all like were kicking and screaming like this is gonna be so hard. How are we gonna do this? Now we've seen improvements. We've actually been hitting that goal regularly and they're gonna move the goalpost again. And those have all been challenges that I've never had to face in a career, you know what I mean? Kind of like you said, trust the process, going with the motions, recruiting came naturally to me. But now that I have these goals and these challenges, my weeks are much more rewarding. When they change the goalpost, I know it's not because we're doing a bad job, it's because we're doing a good job. And I, I just enjoy having those conversations, enjoy having those meetings, seeing the progress, seeing the recruits sign on. And I think that's what I like most about working at Princeton. They try to better you each and every day. It's got to be so rewarding when someone that you've kind of picked up out of the masses just comes in and makes a big difference here at the company. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's like my favorite. When my favorite, do you want to know my favorite is? Yeah, tell me. The Monday morning meeting, we have a Teams meeting. You can see everyone's face and you see Mark come on. He's super happy. He's glowing. And then in the corner or in the top or in the middle, I see my new recruits face and they're <laughs> so excited to be there in the Monday morning meeting. And I'm just so excited to have them. And, you know, I usually send them a little message saying like, happy first day, welcome to your first meeting and just see their face light up just makes me feel so good. Well, and it's awesome too, because they'll, they'll always remember you as being kind of like the doorway. Like I, Chloe recruited me. She found me like out of nowhere on LinkedIn. And I, you know, I feel like I owe her. I mean, this has been a great experience for me and I, I'll never forget Chloe for doing that for me. So it is, it's a very cool position that you're in that you're kind of of like the gatekeeper almost and you have all these amazing things that you can offer and say hey you know come on in and join and then it's it's probably super rewarding to see him in there I will say I did have a candidate message me and he, he wrote in his offer like he declined the offer the offer like we talked about right he declined it and he was like very happy to decline it and he wrote this very long like little novella to rich about why he was declining it and he pinged me and he was like I wish I included you in my offer because you are one of the reasons that I am here and staying here however my offer was too long but I wanted you to know you made an impact and that touched my heart so yeah. the rewards are much greater than you know like your personal success your personal growth and stuff like that it's good to see that you impact other people as well well you're changing their lives mm. you're giving them a whole new livelihood which is it's a it's a really cool thing that you're doing I mean and I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that like when when you're working every day and you get kind of in the grind it's 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 easy to lose sight of the fact that you really are helping people change their lives it is. It is easy to, you're right, it's easy to lose sight of that yeah. because like your goals are different, but then you sometimes have those days where someone just will like ping you and say, hey, just checking in or you'll check in with them or they like your stuff on LinkedIn and it's just good to be like, oh yeah, like they're doing good, they're happy and then you check in with them and it's good for relationship building too. That's definitely helped me become efficient at building relationships and maintaining them. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen a bit of, like, have you seen a dip at all in the last year or so with all the craziness that's been going on with COVID and the housing market and everything? Has it been, has that made it more difficult for recruiting or has that made it a little easier for recruiting, do you think? So during ops, it, like when I was on the ops side, it mm -hmm. was easier because unfortunately COVID, uh, due to COVID, a lot of people lost their jobs. Right. So I was able to recruit a lot of like um, professionals that weren't necessarily mortgage, like for example, marketing, for example, recruiters. Um, a lot of those people were able to come on board. Um, Mark had like a couple social media specialists that we onboarded. And then um, for the mortgage side though, that was more challenging in a sense of it was very competitive. Mm. Like everyone needed mortgage professionals, everyone needed underwriters because the volume was so high and the ops couldn't necessarily keep up with it. So it had to get we still were able to do it, but it was much more competitive in a sense of like, oh, the sign-on bonus has to be this, the salary has to be this. 
Um, again, finding the pain points. Why are you leaving this company? Is it just for the money? So it, that definitely brought on a new skill set as well, just to make sure that we were bringing on the culture fits and not just people that were just switching just to switch for more money. Right. Well, tell me, you, you used the word culture fit. Can you, uh, can you elaborate a little bit on what a culture fit would be for here for Princeton? Yeah, so I would definitely say for the ops side, we use the word gritty a lot. Okay. Like someone that's super gritty, you know, especially during like during that period of time, they had to be willing to, you know, fight the fight with very little to fight with because there was just so much volume. We had to have them work overtime on the weekends. We had to have them jump in. You know, yes, we gave them as much training as we could, but it was kind of like, hey, like sink or swim. Like you got to really do this. Um, and I would say that the ops professionals that we have right now are awesome and they gave them everything that they possibly could But it was just a crazy time. So just making sure that they understood, you know Hey, yes, you're leaving this place and you're coming here But we have a players in every seat and we want you to really be an a player just like that uh, It was really tough to get across on the phone Mark always says um try to scare them on mm -hmm. the phone because if you don't scare them then you know They're good. But If you scare them, they'll just bail out anyways and save you the time. Yeah, filter them out. Yep. That's wild. I can't imagine what it, what it would have been like to be recruiting during COVID and like, because I feel like the whole, everything was just shaken up. I mean, people that were on, you know, a clear path were totally, you know, curveballed into something else. I mean, myself included, I've, I've been working in the film industry, never had any interest in leaving, but then COVID totally shut it all down and I had to find something else. And I'm so glad that I ended up here at Princeton. It's been an awesome experience. I uh, I can't imagine what that would have been like to see. I mean, I'm sure the diversity of the, the kind, like the kind of people you were talking to all the time was just like, you know, people from all different walks of life, just all looking for something. Yeah. People that had mortgage experience like 20 years ago uh -huh. would come and find me and say, Hey, I know I don't have relevant mortgage experience, but I would love just to get back into that secure industry once again, because they it was just a strange time. No one knew what was secure, what wasn't secure. Like even government jobs probably weren't even like that secure. So it was a crazy time, but it definitely was. I was very grateful to be in this industry because we were we were so busy we couldn't even like keep up with the growth. And I think we brought on I want to say like forty five to fifty new professionals here at Princeton, and that. I came on in February. When did you come on? Uh, February of this year. February of this year. Yeah. So in that one year time span, I want to say we brought on at least 50 to 55 new professionals, which was awesome to say that I was a part of. That's wild. And not, and probably not not nearly all of them from mortgage industry, right? No. No, we brought on a lot of people that didn't have a lot of experience, a lot of sales professionals, a lot of um, people that just wanted to gain experience. Just sharp people that were looking to grow. You know, like I said, back to the culture of it, people that want to grow, want to be in an environment where people are constantly challenging themselves and you could you could see that in the interviews like over the phone over the zoom people that were just super hungry and those were the ones that we really wanted to bring on so it's more of a personality trait that you're looking for rather than experience but yes yeah, so if it's a role where we don't require experience it's definitely personality like for example the um a the bdaes and um mm -hmm. wholesale that's all personality like you know you're salesy you're excited you're hungry that was all like you don't even need to have sold anything in your life just as long as you come on and you're willing to learn that's perfect but other roles like i know processing we always require experience and it has to be encompassed and it has to be you know kind of a high level type of role because of the effortless mortgage um, underwriters we created the junior underwriting position so that was like a little less rigid um, but there were some positions where it was like strict and then other ones where it was a bit loose so you say you created kind of a ju the junior underwriting position that's more for like you saw the value in like bringing people on that maybe didn't have any experience but training them to be underwriters they had underwriting experience but i think our underwriters do so if you look at certain companies like um larger 
under, or I'm sorry, larger mortgage companies, they have junior underwriters and underwriters. They split the underwriting process into two separate parts because they're larger and they, they can do that. So it just creates feasibility and it's easier for them in their volume. Whereas we're small enough where our underwriters wear all the hats, I guess the whole hat of the underwriting process. Um, we brought on junior underwriters from those companies, so we knew they had the foundation, and we kind of just gave them that same job with the opportunity knowing like you can grow into be a you know formal underwriter wearing the whole hat here. Kind of not like a trial period, but just like, hey, we know you have the ability to do it, but let's just bring you on as this, and then you'll grow into this. Okay. That's, for, uh, that's a great, I think that's a really cool um, process to have kind of like, you know, we, we see the potential in you, and we, you might not necessarily have the experience that we're normally looking for, but here we're going we're gonna to help you grow and get to the point, which is, is something that I know that is preached a lot here at Princeton is the, the, manager, the, the managers here would like to help people grow, and they, like, they kind of ask you, well, where do you want to be, what do you want to do, and they'll help you get there, which I, I, th I find that very unique and, um, and inspiring here at Princeton. Um, it's something that I've taken note of and something that I've experienced as well. Um, so I think that's really cool that that Princeton will kind of like mold and you know help people get to the point that they want to be. I agree. I'm gonna ask you one final personal question. Mm -hmm. um, did you always want to be a recruiter when you grew up? What did you want to be when you when you were younger? What did you want to be when you grew up? So I when I was like super. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was super super young, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Like I loved animals. I loved the idea of animals. That was awesome. Then I went to school. I didn't really know what I wanted to be, so I did business management, minor in economics. Went to a recruiting agency. I was like, hey, can you find me a job? Happened to be Robert Half. They happened to have an opening, and they happened to say, you know, like, you, you have a great personality. You fit this mold. Like, what do you say you in interview internally here for this job? And I was just fresh out of college. I was like, yeah, okay. So I did it. Went through the motions at Robert Half, and I got a job there in Cambridge, Mass, um, recruiting accounting and finance professionals, where I was there for, like, five years and I was able to transition from the Boston office to the Atlanta office and then again to the Charleston office because they, they just were so good to me. They just transferred me every time I moved <laughs> and I'm just so grateful for that. But I would have never pictured it, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a great experience. So it seems like you almost fell into the field that you were like perfectly suited for. Yes, fate. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that happens. It's mm -hmm. so cool. Um, well, Shelly, thank you so much for joining us today on Effortless Conversations. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, of course. Thank you, everybody, for checking in and uh, check out next week for another new guest. Use code Shelly15 to get 15%. No. <laughs>